I mean, this is this is what we've, we've dreamed of for 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 14 years, and it's here. This this is it. It's here. Yeah. I mean, it's not the final fulfillment of every dream we've ever had, but this you know this is a step on the way, and I mean, we're at it. We're there. We're on the way, and maybe we'll keep going farther from here. back to Camden Cast, your unofficial Baltimore Orioles fan podcast from CamdenChat.com. I'm your host, Mark Brown. I'm Eat More SK on Camden Chat. It is October the 4th, 2012, in the evening as we are recording this episode. It is the quiet day before the playoffs begin. I'm here with my podcasting partner in crime, Andrew Gibson. Andrew, how's it going? Mark, I have one word for you. Just one word. One word? Playoffs. Playoffs. I actually wrote a little poem for the occasion, Andrew. So I will I will share a little bit of it with uh, with our with our listeners here. It was the night before the playoffs when all across Baltimore, not a creature was stirring, not even Mark McLemore. The bunting was hung down the foul lines with care in hopes that the Orioles soon would be there. The fans were all nestled snug in their beds while visions of '83 danced in their heads. And Dan, with his kerchief and buckling his cap, had just settled down for the roster madcap. When on Utah Street there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my desk to see what was the matter. Away to the window I hauled my own ass, tossed open the blinds, threw open bulletproof glass. The moonshine where the clouds had some cracks gave the luster of midday to the home run plaques. That's as far as I got. Oh. I'm sorry. Aww. I, couldn't, I couldn't keep it going anymore. Well, we'll have to get the second stanza. I know. Uh, if, if they keep uh, if they keep winning, we'll, we'll hear the rest of the uh, the poem. Uh, my friend, my hat is off to you. I I will retire from this podcast because I just I do not belong in the same podcast. I already promised somebody another stanza of we after the Texas Rangers if uh, the Orioles win the wild card game also. So I'll be I'll be busy on Saturday if the Orioles are victorious. So obviously we're here to break down the matchup between. The Baltimore Orioles, 93 wins and 69 losses, and the, the Texas exact- Rangers, 93 wins and 69 losses, although they hold the tiebreaker based on the fact that they destroyed the Orioles in the regular season, as you're all probably well aware. So, what? Are you aware that the Orioles have the exact opposite record of what they had in 2011? Yes, I thought that was really cool. Go, that, go from 69 to 93 to 93 and 69. Like, like this is like something from, from Lost. Like, what's going on? Right, here? that's like 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42 right there. It's, a, uh, it's, it's something. Orioles magic, man. And the Red Sox finished with the 69 and 93 record. So it's like the curse of the Andino, like, transferred the exact Orioles record onto the next year's Red Sox. Not uh, not only did he destroy the 2011 Red Sox, but he continued to bury the 2012 Red Sox. It's amazing. And of course, what a shame. they fired Bobby Valentine. Yes. I was wow. really surprised it didn't happen uh, Wednesday night, like during the post-game press conference. Just give him the old uh, cane hook off the stage in the middle. Well, you know, man, what. What a disaster that turned out. And it's too bad for a lot of people who it should have gone better for. Yeah. And, but oh well. So sad. So here we are with the Orioles back in the playoffs. And Andrew, you were just telling me before we started recording 
the last time the Orioles played a playoff game, Jim Tomei was in that game. Yes, he was. Or he was on the other team. How weird is that? The uh, the, the game six of the 1997 ALCS that you um, I think that... tried to block out of your memory. Well, that might be the best game I will ever see. I know the Orioles lost in it, but man, One that was... One in 11 innings. It was so good. Eight shutout innings for Mike Mussina, 10 strikeouts, only one hit. I mean, that's that's the game that is the reason why Mike Messina should be in the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown as an overall, because of that game, more than, more than anything else. The whole 97 playoffs. I mean, his performance in the Division Series against Seattle, you know, out-dueling Randy Johnson's pretty legendary, too. It's just, oof, that was, you know, I was probably in fourth grade or something like that. I don't really remember, but... I have very vivid memories of watching that game and some some vivid emotions. Armando Benita is still just, you know. I got some choice words for him. So that was uh, that was October the fifteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Was the last Orioles playoff game before October the fifth, two thousand twelve. And Jim Tomey again was in that game. Uh, also in that game were names like Manny Ramirez and Omar Vizquel for the Indians. So. Man. That's how long it's been, but now we've come we've come full circle, and Jim Tomey probably will be the designated hitter for the Orioles in their first playoff game in 15 years. So how about that? Just like they drew it up. Tomey, by the way, took an 0 for 4 in that uh, that mid-October contest in the mid-90s. So hopefully he uh, gets a little bit more. Maybe he gets on base at least once because he didn't even take a walk. Wow, Mike Messina. Enough said. Nice said, Mike Mussina. The most. So the Orioles and the Rangers, you probably already know, will be playing at, uh, I think, 837. Is that right, Andrew? Yes, it is. And, uh, and the Orioles will be facing off against the Japanese sensation Yu Darvish, who I believe set the rookie record for strikeouts. Is that right? Or maybe it was strikeouts per nine innings was the record he set. Um, I, w- I would buy either one of those, I suppose. He struck out 221 batters. Yeah, that's pretty good. And he had a 10.4 strikeouts per nine innings. Like, how ridiculous is that? There was a, there was a YouTube video that somebody posted on Camden Chat that was like a Texas Rangers troll that was just saying... Here's a scouting report on you, Darvish, from Rangers fans. And it was just a six-minute video of every strikeout, like the strikeout pitch of every strikeout that you, Darvish, had gotten. And you look at that. I looked at that video, Andrew, and I was looking at it like it was a mystery to me how you, Darvish, did not throw a perfect game every time <laughs> he pitched. Well, when you're just looking at the strikeout. The strikeout pitch of, of 221 strikeouts. Like, it was just absurd movement and speed and wow. But, and you drivers did not face the Orioles this year, so they have utterly no familiarity with his uh, arsenal, which I don't know if that's good or bad. I feel like at times this year the Orioles' uh, scouting preparation was less than ideal, which, Andrew, of course, might be because they fired the advanced scouts uh well, I was just thinking, with all the minor league seasons over, maybe all those 
uh, all those scouts are now actual major league advanced scouts. Yeah, maybe maybe they were. That's right. Could be. Could have gotten a little report on Darvish, but you Darvish ended up with a 3.90 ERA. He threw 191 and a third innings this year. Made 29 starts. So the thing, the one weakness I would say he had was he had a walk rate over four. So he walked to 89 batters in those 191 and a third innings. But yeah, his but. control really improved uh, in the closing parts of the season to the extent that the last time he walked more than two batters was August the 12th. So he's had seven straight starts where the fewest innings he threw in any of those seven starts were six and two-thirds, by the way. And he only walked one or two batters in, in his last seven starts of the regular season. So uh, I, I read some quick notes um, about you Darvish and just his uh, ongoing development, as all pitchers have, and hitters, I would imagine. And uh, the gist of it seems to be that he has shifted his repertoire and pitch usage such that he's throwing more of Dan Duquette's favorite pitch, the cut fastball. Mm. And that has allowed him to cut down on his walks so that we're not just looking at like a random sampling of maybe he's facing teams that just don't walk, or maybe he just had some good nights all in a row for two months, but rather he has actually made strides to improve his command in such a way that makes him basically as good a pitcher as the Orioles could possibly face in any one game playoff. Well, that's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> right. Um, of all the so, guys you didn't want to face in a one-game winner-take-all playoff, you uh, Darvish probably pretty high up there. Right, and in the abstract, you know the Orioles are on the road for one game, so they're flying into Texas. Well, I, they were they, they were there today, and they did like a workout at Rangers Ballpark in Arlington, so they had some time to acclimate. Hopefully, travel won't be a factor. Um, but they're still on the road against. The other team's ace, and the other team is a much stronger and more well-rounded offense than them. And none of their uh, ideal playoff pitchers are available to start. Right. They had to burn all the guys to try to win the division, And which is do fine. Think, do you think in well, – obviously hindsight's 50-50, or, or whatever that saying actually is. Um, but do you think – Maybe you wouldn't have started at least Chris Tillman yesterday so that he could go tomorrow. Andrew, I personally had no optimism whatsoever that Boston was going to put up any kind of fight in that yeah. New York series. So it's easy for me to say that as a fan of the Orioles. But, I mean, I don't know that Showalter felt like he could punt the game and just say, well, we'll take the wild card. Because, of course, there was advantage if the Orioles had won that final game because they would host the wild card at home if they had won. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there, it's not like there was no value to that. It was, I don't know. But I, on the other hand, that means, you know, you have Joe Saunders starting at Camden Yards, which against Texas still isn't a, really a great matchup. Yeah. I've just, 
I I keep thinking I would have rather had Tillman pitching on Friday than. That. Well, you know, it's funny. The guy I actually wanted for uh, this wild card game out of totally nowhere is Miguel Gonzalez, who's I think been the Orioles' most consistent, great starting pitcher. Yeah. And I have no idea when that happened or how that happened, but here we are. Nobody knows how anything happened with the Orioles, Andrew. That's that's what we've discovered all through the year. Nobody knows anything, but it happened. Um, of course, Gonzalez pitched magnificently against the Rays, and he won't be available for for this game. Yeah. If so, what he wouldn't pitch until like Monday, probably, if the Orioles make it that far. That, that would be because I think game one of the ALDS is going to be Hamill if they get to that. Uh-huh. And then probably Gonzo. I mean that that sets up the Orioles for the ALDS really well. Just got to make it that right. far. It just makes it getting there that much harder. Of course, you know, we're talking about it like it's sort of doomsday and it's not, it's still the coin flip game and it's the coin flip game because it's 50, 50. It can go totally any direction. Yeah. Anything could happen. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things stacked up against the Orioles, but I think it, it's not fair to for us to paint it that way because you can come up with a million things that can go wrong for the Rangers in this game. Millions. Well, not millions, but there's a lot. I mean, you can go punch for punch, yeah. basically. The Rangers' offense has been ice cold. Um, their bullpen is obviously not as good as Baltimore's because we just saw Jim Nathan blow a save to the Angels. Um, we all when, saw it. The Orioles watched that on the Jumbotron, man. And I will never we, forgive Texas for depriving the people who were there that day of that celebration. We've never seen this Orioles bullpen lose a game that they were leading in the ninth inning. Uh, except for that one game where Jim Johnson gave up like six runs against the Athletics. I don't think they were winning at that point. It was nine to eight. And then it was fourteen to nine. <laughs> What's the stat about the Orioles being seventy-two and zero after leading after seven? Because it was tied, and the Orioles scored the go-ahead run in the bottom of the eighth, I think. Oh, so wow. they're so they're undefeated when leading after seven, but they have that one blemish when leading after eight, because they uh, they only took okay. the lead in the eighth inning. I'll, I'll lean on the truthiness of my comment instead of the truthfulness. But I think it ended up being 73 or 74 and 0 when they were leading after 7. The the back end of the Orioles bullpen shortens the game for them. Uh, and and they've got some really good middle relief options for this game too. And as it's going to be an all-hands-on-deck sort of game. And they get a day off before they have to start the next round if they win. And they can change the roster, so... Yeah, there's lots of uh, interesting ways this can go, even in the event Joe Saunders is terrible. And a lot of those ways still end in the Orioles winning. Of course, the choices were Joe Saunders or Steve Johnson. So, I mean, that's like picking the lesser of two evils right there. You don't want to throw either of those guys against the Texas lineup. And Texas, by the way, had the second best uh, home record in all of baseball. With a 50 and 31, which uh, is pretty good. Actually, a lot of teams had a 50 and 31. Now that I'm looking at it right here, there were six different teams that had 50 and 31 home records. 
the Orioles had the one of the best uh, road records in baseball, and in fact, the best road record in the American League with a 46 and 35 on the road. Rock being hard. It is a, It's a kind of a unstoppable force meets a movable object, except not, but something um, something like that. The problem with Joe Saunders is he is left-handed, and the Rangers lineup is predominantly right-handed. They have a lot of really good right-handed options. Even um, guys like Daniel Murphy, who are left-handed, he can sit in Craig Gentry, who's a really good defensive player, and is right-handed and hits lefties pretty well. So Adrian Beltre right-handed, 36 home runs. Yeah. Mike Napoli, 24 home runs. Nelson Cruz, 24 home runs. I mean, this is a really dangerous lineup. Uh, it, it does not have uh, the soft spots that the Orioles lineup does. Scored, scored the most runs in all of baseball. The Texas With Rangers did. Big exception, and that is uh, Mr. Michael Young, who, that, you know, you, you uh, sort of can look inning by inning, like where is Young coming up? Because that's kind of like your moment to – to breathe as a fan, obviously you can't just relax and groove one to him. He batted 313 in September and October, Andrew. Yeah, well, you know what they say about September stats. I do know what they say about September stats, but he did get a what did he get two RBIs in the uh, last game against Oakland? Not that it did them any good later in the game, but he did some kind of Jeter-esque flare dub uh, to score two runs or something. Um, fortunately. Uh, I think Joe Saunders, or really whoever the Orioles were going to pitch, regardless, you don't need him to go deep because you have a lot of other guys like Tommy Hunter or Jake Arrieta or even Steve Johnson. Um, There's a very good likelihood Joe Saunders will pitch four innings at most. Sure, sure. And possibly even just, you know once through the order, and then the Rangers will have set up a lineup to face a lefty, and then, for instance, the Orioles could bring in Tommy Hunter to throw some 100 miles an hour gas, and he's a righty against Texas's righty-heavy lineup, so that wouldn't suck if that was what happened. Yeah, and I, I think if it were me, I would probably just plan on having Saunders for three or four innings. And even if he is cruising, pull him for Hunter in the fourth or fifth. Yeah, definitely. Just, just, to, just to switch it up because just do you, it. Know, you hear a lot about how like guys get a lot worse the second or third time through a lineup. You know, don't even, don't even get to the point where it becomes a question. No point taking chances. And, and the sooner you get to the sixth inning and you can start throwing out your Darren O'Day's, and your Brian Mattis's and and your Troy Patton's and uh, your Pedro Strokes. I don't know about that one. I feel like I feel like Andrew Buck repeatedly gave Strokes yeah. a chance to dig his way out of his hole, and uh, he failed at every one of them. Unfortunately, it's it's hard to argue that point for sure. Like. Because, I mean, he just started melting down against the Yankees, and it was like, oh, man, we can't keep using Strope in the... We meaning the Orioles, obviously. We can't keep using Strope. And then, even after that, he gave up 
just yeah, just just was messy every time he appeared after. Well, you know that's that is the Pedro Strope that the Rangers gave up. Right, there is a reason why the Orioles got Pedro Strope for the low low price of Mike Gonzalez, and right. we saw it in September of this year. Um, I guess the question is: Is that regression back to form? And he was this sort of unbelievable all-star type pitcher. Just you know, guys get hot. It, it's a, they're bullpen guys. This is sort of their thing. Um, or <clears throat> did he figure something out and is just kind of slipping back into bad habits and can be fixed, or is it just bad luck, or or what? And unfortunately. The answer to that question is whether or not you play him in this huge game. Right, now is not the time to figure out if he's solved his problems. One game, winner take all. Yeah. Eh. You'd have to be pretty desperate to use stroke. I mean, I would. I wonder if he will even be on the roster. Yeah, that's a good. That's a fair question. Yeah, like, what would be the situation? In, in your mind, that would dictate putting Pedro Strope in over somebody else. Like, it's the 13th inning, and they already used up every other somebody else. <laughs> well, you're in trouble already. Yeah, the Rangers are in trouble if it goes into extra innings. Um, I would imagine on the, on the roster for this one game, there's probably going to be two other starters, starter-type pitchers. It's hard to say, because they could have... Maybe just decide Steve Johnson will be the, if it gets into some kind of extra inning situation, he'll just go. Um, or, I don't well, know. Well, I, I, I'm just, I'm worried more, like, if some sort of unforeseeable injury happens. Like, uh, Joe Saunders takes a line drive off his knee. Oh, yeah, that would be unfortunate. I mean, you need another starting pitcher type guy. Maybe it's Steve Johnson then, but then it'd be nice to have a second backup just in case it goes into extra innings or something like that. Yeah, and who would that even be? I don't know. Hamill? Hamill's not supposed to be ready till Sunday, but maybe in a pinch he could, you know, do three innings or something. Yeah. It's like the um, absolute last guy out there. I guess uh, Britain or Chen would be kind of your other options, and uh, I'm not I'm not really comfortable with either no, of those. There's, there's not a lot of great options if it gets that deep into the game, so... Uh, I guess you're you're looking at kind of the last guy in your bullpen. So what what type of great option are you looking for? Yeah, you don't. So we're going to take a short break here on Cam and Cast. We will be right back, and don't worry, we have plenty more to talk about with this upcoming wild card playoff game. Andrew, I haven't gotten tired of saying it. Playoffs, 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 playoffs. Just one word. Playoffs. It's cool. Anyway, we'll be right back. You're listening to Camden Cast, the Baltimore Orioles fan podcast with Mark Brown and Andrew Gibson. If you'd like to hear from us between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter. Andrew is at Gibson Andrew, and I am at EatMoreSK, E-S-S-K-A-Y, just like the hot dogs. And now, back to the show. And we are back. It's time, Andrew, to keep looking really ad nauseum. Hopefully not ad nauseum for our listeners, but 
it's the most exciting game the Orioles have played in 15 years. So yeah, let's overanalyze the heck. Overanalyze the heck out of it, especially because, God forbid, there could only be one game to overanalyze the heck out of. Bite your tongue. Bite my tongue. I yeah. I'm sorry. I uh, I I didn't mean negative. It's the word quite that way. Okay. What? No, nothing. What, what, what are we going to talk okay, about? Okay, so Andrew, I know your favorite thing in the world is talking about narratives. Oh, boy. But let's face it, when you get into the playoffs, there's always interesting narratives. Well, look. I mean, the thing about narratives, in scare quotes, is they're very powerful and important. In the past, I've tried to write things that are just about interesting ways of looking at numbers and there's no story there so it's it's boring to write and it, it must be just dreadful to read you need some sort of narrative to propel you through such as for instance narrative. anyone who's writing Miguel Cabrera has to win the MVP award because he won Look, the triple crown that is when you become a slave to the narrative and the narrative becomes the only thing you're talking about even to the point where you're intentionally forgetting or walking all over facts. And for Miguel Cabrera, the fact is he's maybe the best hitter in baseball and not the best player in baseball. There. There you go. So there, that's just an example of when narrative goes wrong. Look, I, I was telling you before we were recording, one of the things I really love about the postseason is you have these two narratives that are just sort of like freight trains and they just smash right into each other. You, you have your Orioles magic versus the whole you Darvish saga and the, the two failed world series bids. Right. The Texas. Rangers were basically supposed to be going under a prolonged coronation of their third straight world series appearance this year. And then they'd ended up not even winning their division. So you want to talk about limping into the playoffs. <laughs> The Rangers, I mean, 13 games up on June the 30th. I don't even think they were up on Oakland on June the 30th, were they? They were up on uh, the Angels, maybe. They were up on Oakland five games with eight to play, even. Yeah. I'd see, I mean, that's about as bad as last year's Red Sox for blowing away uh, yeah. your lead. They straight up blew it. Their magic number must have been like three or four, and they couldn't do it. The Yankees were pretty close to blowing a serious... Uh, Serious de uh, deficit there. Serious lead, yeah. I should say. Uh, it was fun when the Yankees were at the point where if they lost one specific game, they would become, you know, the the five seed in the American League. Yeah. And if they won that game, they would become the one seed, which is what they are. Bobby Valentine hadn't poured gasoline on that Tuesday game. It went into extra innings. Well, yeah. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Some people were not very happy with Boston after that game, Andrew. Yeah, you probably didn't see, but on the uh, on the Orioles' extra pregame before the Wednesday game, Rick Dempsey was on there talking about the throw into the home plate that Daniel Nava made that on the play that scored the winning run for the Yankees. He was like, you know, saying all this stuff about how he knows Nava's a good player and this and that. But that was about the worst effort I've ever seen in a key situation right there. I tell you what, and he was just yeah. not, not impressed. But, you know, nobody was complaining about the Red Sox and their thousand-yard stare when it was... Right, when the Orioles were the ones sweeping them, nobody was complaining. You know, you, you 
take what, what it is and, and you can't can't affect it. You just have to live with it. So we so we got the dueling stories of the Rangers were supposed to perhaps realize their destiny as the early nineteen nineties Buffalo Bills of the early tens major league baseball making it to the championship and losing, or perhaps finally getting over the hump and winning. But they encountered some difficulty along the way. And now they're encountering Orioles magic. And after one game, one of those stories will be snuffed out. It will become past tense. Like a candle in the wind? Yeah. It will just uh, just gutter out from flame to nothingness. The void. Books. And one team will... Man, th- this is... We'll just have the book closed on them. Their 2012 book will end. That's really... In heartbreak. In a one-game heartbreak. That's ominous, man. I know. I know. That's what happens. That's what baseball's doing with this one-game playoff business. <laughs> I am not going to get any sleep tonight. I, I don't think I was already anyway, Andrew. I can't even... I couldn't think about anything all day today other than baseball. Orioles in the playoffs. So the... the uh, here That's the story. You got this Rangers thing just running into Orioles magic. And what a magical Orioles season it's been. It will always be magic, no matter what the outcome is in the playoffs. It's just... Absolutely. I I suspect whenever they lose this month, assuming they lose, which, of course, maybe they won't, and that would be awesome, uh, I'll be bummed for, you know, October and November. But 10 years from now, I'll, I'll be pretty... Sight. Losing would be sad, but it won't be a disappointment. No, because whatever whatever happens from here on out, the losing season streak is over. The playoffless season streak is over. The Orioles as a laughing stock has been at least put on the back burner for a couple of years. I mean, hopefully they don't backslide right back into oblivion, but at least we'll have this one year, whatever happens. So Andrew, many, many, many good things are yet to come. Yeah, I mean, anybody who talks about the Orioles limping into the playoffs, I don't want to hear it. Because I just don't. No no limping. When you go 40-18 and 18 or whatever their final record was to get from 52-49 and 49 to the end, you know, you didn't limp. That was not limping. That was a pretty good long-distance run. You know, that's like gold medal at the 1600 meters or something right there. Absolutely. So I don't want to hear anybody saying, ah, the Orioles slipping into the playoffs. Although certainly it was a little unfortunate that uh, they got, what, four hits in their last two games? Three hits? Well, look, I mean, it's a thing. It happened. There's, look, there's no reason whatsoever why the Orioles can't win the World Series this year. It could happen. There's no reason that can't happen. And they're certainly not going to face James Shields or Jeremy Hellickson in the postseason. So Look, they're going to face lots of great pitchers. Hugh Darvish is a great pitcher. After Hugh Darvish, there's a lot of great pitchers waiting in New York. They can beat those pitchers. Anybody can beat those pitchers in one game, in one series. You look around at all of these other teams, the other, the other nine teams in the playoffs right now. There's no one team that's that's a favorite. And there's no one team that's such a heavy underdog that they have no chance. This is the nature of the playoffs. Everyone has a chance. Everyone is in the dance. 
everybody has basically an equal chance outside of the wild card teams because they have this this horrible one game playoff round. Yeah. yeah. So Andrew, one of the other stories of this uh, this little game. Yeah. One game series, I guess we could call it. It's not really not really a series. It's just the sheer number of ex Texas Rangers on the uh, the Orioles right now, which is of course intentional because most of those guys um, Buck Walter was familiar with from his time with the Rangers organization. So when uh, when the time came to acquire some players off the scrap heap or the excess players or whatever, Buck had some guys he remembered, which I have to say has worked out better for the Orioles than acquiring all the former Cubs from the Andy McPhail yeah. regime. Yeah. You know, when when it was acquire all the Cubs, the Orioles kind of made like the Cubs and, and lost a lot. And when it was make like the Rangers, the Orioles made like the Rangers and now they're in the playoffs. I mean, that's the difference. The difference between acquiring... Felix Pia and Lou Montanez and acquiring Darren O'Day and Pedro Strop. Yeah. That's a yeah. pretty big difference. So here's some ex-Rangers. I just named a couple of them. Of course, Tommy Hunter, ex-Ranger. And he Chris kind Davis. of was uh, not a good starting pitcher, but he's maybe... Well, that's a bullpen weapon. Maybe sure. has become a bullpen weapon. So Chris Davis couldn't really get his... Stroke going consistently in Texas, so they thought he was expendable. And, and of course, he, he spent a while before he sort of figured it out in the last month or so for Baltimore, too. Seven home runs in six games. Yeah. Still waiting for that one to land in Tampa. I thought it was I, going I to hear hit the roof camera. At some point. Like, they had that roof camera angle of that home run he hit off Shields. I thought the ball was going to, like, shatter the camera lens. Did you hear what it was measured at? The I think it was 445. That seems a little low to me. I would have believed uh, if you told me that was a 700-foot home run. I don't know about that, but I'd go close to 500 for sure. That was It was like every time Chris Davis hits a home run, it sort of looks like he's just a little out in front or just a little off the end right, of the right. bat. He, he'll have like a, a lazy swing home run that still lands on you know the flag court at Camden Yards, and you're just like, man, imagine if he really connected on that ball. And that was the first home run where you saw it, and it was like, holy that crap, he man. connected. Yeah, HitTrackerOnline.com, which is run by ESPN, says 445 true distance, which was the second longest home run hit by the Orioles this year. Adam Jones had the longest at 452 feet on April the 15th. Bash Brothers, baby. Yeah, so so Davis had 33 and Jones had 32. So how about that? That was some. They had like remarkably similar uh, batting seasons from a statistical point of view. They're obviously very uh, very different types of players, but they both ended up with, I think maybe the exact same slugging percentage. See, Jones had a 505 and Davis had a 501. Oh, wow. Well, Davis's close. power was higher because he only batted 270, whereas Jones batted 287. Right. But that, you know, <laughs> it's not bad to have two of those guys right up next to each other in the lineup. So going and, going along down the list of X-Rangers, we have uh, Taylor Teagarden, the extra innings hero himself. Yeah. 
And I believe Andy Chavez was once on the Rangers. Not that I care about Andy Chavez particularly. Well, he, he's no stranger to uh, playoff heroics. He made the amazing catch for the Mets back in 2006 that at the time saved their bacon uh, against the Cardinals, even though that did not last. Nothing can ever last. And he was on the Rangers last year. I didn't even realize, really. I thought that was farther back in the past. So there's your ex, there's an ex-Ranger. I guess that's not from the Buck Show Walter days of the Rangers, but ex-Ranger but no, nonetheless. I actually, uh, I thought perhaps... That was more a Dan Duquette pickup because Andy Chavez was a former Expo. Oh, good one. Yeah, he played on the Expos 2002, 3, and 4. So I don't know. I, I don't know if like Dan Duquette was around when they signed him initially. It could be. That could very well be. Dan Duquette used to run the Expos before he ran the the Boston Red Sox. So yeah, he he loaded up on on former Expos this off season too, which was. Kind of an odd thing. Maybe it was just a coincidence with like Nick Johnson and Andy Chavez and a couple other guys. Of course, the Rangers have a couple former Orioles, namely well, Brandon Snyder, which I still think is hilarious. That Brandon Snyder was on the 25-man roster like the whole year, but he's like a their right-handed bench bat or something. It's kind of weird what you can get away with keeping on your roster for a full season. Ryan Flaherty. Exactly. Like the Orioles are in the playoffs and they had a rule five guy who never really acquitted himself in a way that made him worth keeping around during a potential championship. And for all the roster moves they made, they never shuffled off Flaherty, except for when he had like tonsillitis and they put him on the DL, even though he was going to be better in two days, but that's a 45 day DL trip. (laughs) But uh, and then of course he had to rehab and whatever, so they they milked him at the end of the August there. But I mean, how about that? And then of course the Rangers have Koji Uehara. So uh, the, it'll be the first time in a while I'm not rooting for Koji and the sideburns to do well, because just, mm. just imagine, I would be sad if Koji was the agent of destruction for the Orioles season. Yeah, what if uh, Koji has a big shutdown eighth inning and then. Uh, Brandon Snyder comes in. Yeah. It's a big home run. Yeah, that would be the worst. That would be the worst thing possible. That's actually not the worst possible thing, because the worst possible thing is like eight runs score off of Joe Saunders in the first two innings. Exactly. Yeah, if I turn on the game, like if I'm running late and I turn on the game and it's five to nothing or worse, yeah. That's that's, the worst. That's a gut punch. So there's some... uh, some X guys on both teams here. Familiar friends going at it. It's a civil war. It is. It's it's uh it's a, it's some kind of unfortunate squabble that has to be settled to the death. And one of them, <laughs> one of them will be. And I am really looking forward to this game. Look, what is up with all my morbid analogies tonight, here, Andrew? I don't know. You are not going to bring me down. Earlier, <laughs> earlier I was talking about how the Rangers, if the Orioles limped into the playoffs, the Rangers were like crawling with their bloody missing leg stumps, like trailing behind them. I guess I'm just in that kind of mood. I don't know. I'm I'm ready for destruction though. Let's let's crush them. Man, this is going to be a great baseball game. 
I, I can't even contain the excitement. I don't know how to handle this excitement, Andrew. I don't know what to do. You gotta wait till eight. And I have to wait till eight thirty-seven tomorrow. I know. Man, at least. Uh, well, as I'm... you're all listening to this, it's eight thirty-seven tonight. But I still have to wait till then. And rest assured, unless you're listening to this after eight thirty-seven p.m. on October the fifth, two thousand twelve, I am freaking out right now. Whenever you're listening to this, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out as we're recording this. <laughs> I'm just uh I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to handle this. I haven't been able to I haven't been able to handle it all season and uh hey man, it I, hasn't gotten any better. Been there before, man. I know, I got to act like I've been there before, but I can't cuz I was 13 years old the last time I, they were there. Uh you want to uh you want to break down some U Darvish a little bit more? Yes. So one thing Andrew and I neglected to mention earlier that's uh that's a kind of an extra problem for the Orioles is he doesn't give up home runs really at all. I don't want to he, say at he, all. He gave up home runs, but he doesn't give up many. He's one of the best starting pitchers at not giving up home runs, despite his, his home ballpark. Yeah, for instance, he pitched 92 and two-thirds innings at the Rangers ballpark in Arlington. And by the way, I'm getting all my stats tonight off of Fangraphs.com. Don't, don't feel like I have encyclopedic knowledge. Uh, Fangraphs is one of my favorite baseball sites. And you should, You're welcome, David Appleman. Free, free advertisement right there. Yeah. So, so he in 92 and two thirds innings, uh, he gave up nine home runs at the Rangers ballpark in Arlington. So, for every every nine innings, he didn't even give up one home run. And that is actually much worse for him. Not much worse, but it's worse than what he did on the road. So the ballpark has some sort of effect on him that that <laughs> results in him giving up more home runs. To the point where you still can barely notice him doing it. But his the batting slash for opponents against Darvish at Rangers Ballpark, two twenty nine average, three fifteen on base, three seventy five slugging. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> that's pretty good. He cuts down the power really well, and that's a big problem for the Orioles lineup that relies on power a lot because they don't really have the on base type players. Especially without Nick Marcakis around. Right, they'll be relying on Nate McLeod to be their on-base player. Right. I, well, and you look at guys like Chris Davis and um, Adam Jones that we've been talking about, sort of the centerpiece of the, the lineup. Those are those are guys who are really good because they slug a lot, not because they get on base a lot. Right. So that's a problem. Um, and we've, you know, broken down how he's been cutting down on his walks, but of course it only takes one bad game. Only so. takes one. Of course, now you, Darvish, has pitched in some pressure situations in his career before. Not in America, but in Japan, he pitched in just about every possible big situation you can pitch in, including the big high school tournament at Koshien Stadium, which is like where legends are born in <laughs> Japan. For instance, Daisuke Matsuzaka pitching well in there was what put him on the radar. And pretty much, uh, you Darvish did the same. So he's uh, he's pitched in high stakes before. Although that was all the way back in 2004 that he was a senior in high school. So. Well, it's been a little while since Joe Saunders has been in a really high stakes game like this yeah. too. And and Joe Saunders, by the way, has like a six ERA in his playoff appearances. Well, I mean, you don't expect a guy like that to really shut down a playoff offense. No. Um. 
the way you would with a you Darvish, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, perhaps. The other thing about Darvish, you look at his platoon splits, and he is right-handed, but he actually keeps the left-handed power down better than the right-handed power. Yeah, only um, five home runs were hit by lefties off Darvish, and right. nine were hit by righties. You know, that... So that's bad for Chris Davis yet again. Total, but that's almost twice as many home runs for righties as lefties, which maybe that helps out Adam Jones, although, you know, strikeout pitcher, strikeout batter. You know, there's lots of ways you can you can break it down, but these are interesting matchups that can go a lot of different ways. So you Darvish had a 5.74 ERA in July and 5.29 ERA in August. So whatever he was failing to do in those months, uh, I guess we can cross our fingers and hope he fails to do in October the 5th. But it, a lot of know. times when you look at one game. It can come down to just one mistake pitch. One bell bouncing off the dirt the wrong way. Yeah, some some bapip to death. And it's really hard to control that. Or, you know, an umpire ruling a fair ball foul, even though there's six umpires for the playoffs, and it's his job to just get calls down the right field line, correct? Yeah. Not that I'm singling out Phil Cuzzy from that series between the Yankees and Twins a couple years ago or anything. Yeah. So hopefully Phil Cuzzy's name is not on the umpiring roster for the one-game playoff. Anyway, that's our current summary. So we're going to take another short break here on Cam to Cast. Rest assured, Andrew and I still have several more topics to burn through, including who we think will end up being the key players for the Orioles to have a chance of winning the game. So we will be right back here on the playoff edition of Camden Cast. You're listening to Camden Cast, the Baltimore Orioles fan podcast with Mark Brown and Andrew Gibson. If you want to hear more from us between episodes, you should also make sure to check out the website, camdenchat.com, where you'll find discussion on all the latest Orioles happenings and sometimes just random whatever is going on. Check out our Facebook page and give us a like. It's facebook.com slash camdenchat. And you can subscribe to this podcast if you search for us on iTunes with Camden Cast. And now, back to the show. And we are back here on Camden Cast. It's Mark Brown and Andrew Gibson. Andrew, we Mm. wanted to talk a little bit about who we think could possibly be key players for the Orioles if they are going to win the wildcard game. So why don't you go first? If the Orioles are going to win the game, they will need a big performance from. Well, need is a little strong, but but yeah, I I I have savvy. Um, Why is the rum gone? (laughs) Why is the rum gone? Because I drank it all when the Orioles clinched the playoffs. Is why the rum is gone. But anyway, key player. That might be the best answer to that question. Okay. Uh, All right. All right. Uh, My key player is Nate McLeod. The Orioles' uh, de facto leadoff hitter. Um, the one thing the Orioles are going to need, obviously, is offense because I don't think their pitching staff is going to be able to shut out Texas. That or would be you know, uh, that would definitely seem like an unlikely outcome. Is 
you know, the Orioles winning a one nothing game against you, Darvish. As he strikes out, for instance, 15 batters <laughs> and the Orioles only get two hits. It's hard to do that twice in one week. Especially because the Rangers' offense is good and the Rays' offense kind of uh, wasn't good. No. Hey, I just referred to the Rays in the past tense. Sorry, guys. Aww. Well, good luck next year. Yep. Without, so, without BJ Upton and all that stuff. So anyway, Nate McLeod. The, the Orioles in, in need of some on-base guys because, as we've talked about, I think their power is going to be a little suppressed. Uh, against you, Darvish. Nate McClough's leadoff hitter. He's actually gotten on base at a pretty respectable clip for the Orioles in his tenure here. Yeah, Nate McClough, the 342, was actually the highest uh, other than Nick Marcakis. <laughs> that is, that is, well, that's kind of exactly my point. I mean, that actually. was only over 55 games, but. I mean, but that, you know, the Orioles don't get on base. Nate McClough does get on base. They need him to get on base in front of Adam Jones, and hopefully Adam Jones can can do what so many people have not been able to do against Hugh Darvish and, and get some extra base hits. Andrew, if we want to count Jim Tomei's 28 games, he had a 348, but that's an even smaller sample size. Sure. I, you know, there's a couple other players. Tomei and, and Mark Reynolds did okay at getting on base, but, you know, they're not batting leadoff. Yeah. They can't steal second. Nate McLeod certainly has that ability. You know, Which is good think, when you consider that J.J. Hardy will be hitting behind Nate McLeod right, most likely, right. and he had like the sixth most double plays in all of the majors or something. So, I think the Orioles certainly can win if Nate McLeod takes an 0 for 5, but it becomes so much harder for them to win that... If their percentage at the start is 50%, if you give Nate McClellan 0 for 5, maybe it goes down to 60% or 65%. Somebody needs to set the table, and, well, Nate McClellan is the only guy. So that that is my critical matchup, Nate McClellan versus you Darvish and the rest of the Rangers pitching staff. Andrew, I'm feeling like the important player for the Orioles for this game could end up being Tommy Hunter. And the reason for that is because I am assuming Joe Saunders gets at most four innings, possibly three, or if he gets shelled less. And if it's any kind of close at all, I feel like Tommy Hunter is probably going to be called in to do two innings, maybe the fourth and fifth inning, maybe the fifth and sixth inning, and just shut him down. That's going to need to happen because they've got a starter they can't really rely on to go deep, and... You know, he needs to bridge them to the end of the game, or at least a place where they can start playing matchups more, if not the actual back end of the bullpen. And uh, that's that's going to end up being crucial, I think, if the game is close at all. I think there's a lot to be said about what happens in innings four through six. Right. It just It feels like Saunders will probably not be in those innings, even in the best case. And somebody is going to have to come in and put up zeros if the Orioles are going to have a chance to win the game. Right. It's exactly what you said. They need that bridge to that dominant back end. So, I mean, can Tommy Hunter come in with playoff adrenaline and throw 100 miles an hour for two innings? <laughs> you know, I think he can. I think he can, too. And maybe he can blow some by. Because, of course, again, the Rangers will have a lineup stacked to hit against a lefty starter. So, bringing in a righty like Tommy Hunter 
in the in the middle innings when they're not going to be likely to be pinch hitting away their best players just for the sake of a you know a platoon split mm-hmm. can be pretty key. I will say this: uh, when Tommy Hunter was starting, his primary problem was the long ball, and if he comes in for a couple of critical innings and can avoid giving up home runs or a home run to this potent home run hitting team in a potent home run hitting ballpark. Again, it's like if the Orioles odds are 50%, if Tommy Hunter can give you that, it goes up dramatically at that point. Tommy Hunter did not give up a home run as a reliever. And there you go. There you go. Or he didn't after. He didn't in September. Well, like, he like might have done one. In, I'm sorry. No. He gave up a home run in July when he was pitching in relief. But it certainly was a significant upgrade over his home run rate as a starter when he earned the the deserving moniker five runs all earned. Yeah, his last ten at really appearances were relief, and he did not give up a home run. So. And just, you know, he looks like the type of high-energy guy who can just go out there and get it for two innings. Right. This is the this is the Tommy Hunter bulldog mentality that they talked about when they traded for him, you know. Like, maybe he wasn't meant to realize his destiny as a starting pitcher, but, I mean, as a guy who's going to get pumped up for the playoffs, come in and throw some, throw some cheese, perhaps at the knees, as Mike Bordick would say. That's, I mean, that's ser- as weird as that is to say for me, Andrew, I feel like Tommy Hunter might be the guy you want in that situation. Hey, man, it is no weirder for me to say Nate McLeod is my key player in the freaking wild card playoff the game. 2012 the 2012 Orioles, game. man. Seriously? Sometimes There's just nothing about this. Even team. being aware from watching how weird it is, I really don't think I have stepped back and appreciated. <laughs> like... They lost Nick Varkakis, one of their best hitters, if not their best hitter, and they got better. Never got a chance to have a full season out of Nolan Reimold. Got nothing out of second base whatsoever. Not a lot of defense, not a lot of offense. Right. I mean, you had Andino, you had Omar Quintanilla, occasionally Ryan Flaherty. Didn't matter. J.J. Hardy was a black hole at the plate, although he was great in the field. Yeah. You had Wilson Bedemeet flailing away at third base, or even Mark Reynolds for two-thirds of the season. You had Wilson Bedemeet playing left field. Remember that. You had Steve Tolleson getting at-bats. Yeah. Steve Pierce getting at-bats. You had your uh, initial backup core of Miguel Tejada, and at, at some point Jamie Moyer. You had from- a starting rotation that had three of the five worst starters. In baseball, for the duration of the time they were starters. And now they've all converted into shutdown relievers. Oh, hey, you know who I think is actually going to be the, the critical player in, in this game? Who? Dana Evelyn. Whatever happened to that guy? He's uh, he's sitting at home, and occasionally he tweets about how excited he is for his former teammates and how he wishes I he was I think he's going to come out of nowhere and just hit a couple of home runs. As the, we, as the WWE announcer is like... My God, that's Dana Evelyn's music. And then the umpires like turn the other way. And then Dana Evelyn is going to crush somebody no. with like the metal steps. 
No, then the umpire takes off his mask, and it was Dana Evelyn the whole time. Oh, he rips off the jersey. <laughs> now that's a good one too. What if Koji's gonna rip off the Rangers jersey and do the Orioles? Now we're... he's just got the full Oriole road jersey yeah. on. Yeah, and then like you know, no wonder he was sweating so and much. And then like Orioles magic pipes in on the Rangers ballpark in Arlington sound system, like as Koji rips off his Rangers jersey to reveal. And Orioles jersey. All right, we've stepped into some kind of alternate reality briefly there. Uh, I, I have no defense for that, but, well, except that this season makes us all crazy, so surely you understand. Well, when Koji grooves a pitch and the Rangers lose, we'll we all will know. know. We will we'll all know. know. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. If that happened, I would there's, feel bad for Koji, but then again, we would know. We, yeah. All the stories about how Koji really loved it in Baltimore, and his kids still go to school here. Apparently, I heard that at FanFest. And uh, well, wouldn't you still love it in Baltimore if you had to leave? I would, but I have a little bit more attachment to Baltimore than Koji. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't play professional baseball here, but you know. Anyway, so so I don't know, Andrew. It'll be a great game to watch, and I don't know how. I am. I'm I don't so... know how I'm going to handle the tension. Uh, it might be get really drunk. Well, I think uh, maybe for me, I mean, I've got, uh, there's work, obviously. I've got a ton of work. But uh, watching the, the Braves game, which is on earlier in the day, might help to uh, sort of dispense the, the, the emotional buildup. Yeah, I should just go buy, like, a, as big of a case of National Bohemian as I can find and just start drinking. I had some friends in from out of town during the Red Sox series in Baltimore, and I, I met them downtown, and I was trying to describe Natty Bo to them, and I don't think they were buying it's it. It's Baltimore's cheap beer, and that's all you need to know. Even though it's not brewed in Baltimore anymore, it's still Baltimore's cheap beer. Baltimore's own. Hey, I have not lived in Baltimore for a very long time, but I'm still I'm still a Baltimore guy. Absolutely. That beer can still be Baltimore's beer. Absolutely. So anyway, Andrew and I wanted to move on. because We actually did more or less say everything we wanted to say about the Orioles and the Rangers and, game. And, some. and then some. We're, we're pretty good at that lately. So, uh, Andrew, who do you think is going to win that NL wildcard game? That's going to be the Braves versus the Cardinals. One game. Well, a little, little warm-up uh action for i mean do you, do you want to break it down as intensely as we broke down no, no i don't want to break it down as intensely then here's literally the only things that i think of when i think of this game chris medlin is pitching for the braves the braves have not lost a game that chris medlin has started in like 23 starts or something like that if, i don't think that's going to stop now if you're like me and you don't really pay attention to the national league at all you might not really be aware of how absurd Chris Medlin is. Uh, he had a 157 ERA in 138 innings pitched this year. Yeah. 0.91 whip. Now, a lot of those, he only started 12 games, so he was in uh, pitching out of the bullpen until it looks like the end of July. Well, I saw him at some point in AAA, so he was either hurt and rehabbing or was being like converted to the rotation at that point. But like, yeah, from time to time you see something in AAA where you're like, 
that doesn't belong here. Andrew, like, he gave up one or zero earned runs in 10 of the 12 starts he made. Yeah. And he never gave up more than three in his 12 starts. The fewest innings he pitched was five, and he pitched six or more in 10 of the 12 starts. Uh, it looks like he pitched seven or more in eight of the 12 starts. Two complete games in there. Two other games where he went eight innings. Yeah, he's good. And the Braves have a really good back end of their bullpen, too. It's kind of a theme of teams in the playoffs, I guess. Really, really good bullpens. Imagine um, that. Yeah, and they, they've got some good karma going with Chipper Jones's last stand. So I, I really like, really like the Braves team. Of course, the Cardinals have Kyle Lowe's pitching, and he had a 286 ERA this year, which I think is absurd considering his career ERA is 445. What's that about? What is that about? Some guys, man, they just come in and they have a really good year. You can't, you can't anticipate it. You can't necessarily so, explain it. It's tough to bet against uh, the Chris Medlin team right there. So we'll say that the Braves move on. So, Andrew, if God forbid the worst happens and the Orioles are yep. not victorious, who is your heart gravitating towards to just sort of mildly care about for the remainder of the playoffs? I don't know how you could not like the Oakland Athletics. They have uh, some really great uniforms. For for the I don't know why that was the first thing I decided to talk about. But aesthetics I really, are important, Andrew. Um, you have to like, yeah. You know, they they've got some not Orioles magic, but like A's magic going. That team like, it's a it's a bunch of guys you don't expect to be anywhere close to the playoffs and they won the AOS. Hey, Andrew, imagine if the if the Athletics like win the World Series. Then 40 years from now we'll be talking about the 2012 A's like saved baseball in Oakland. And yeah, like that's a thing that could happen. As crazy as that sounds. Um, Cuz I mean, they sold out that last game. I imagine they will have some more tickets sold if they if they're gonna have a good team. More more tragically, they've overcome a lot of really horrible things that have happened to some of their players. Yeah, like the Brandon McCarthy injury, and uh, uh, Pat Nishak, who the Orioles had in their minor leagues, just lost his infant son this past ah, that week. Impressed me so much. That was yes, that was That's, last night. That was Wednesday night. And you know, there's just no words. For, for something like that. And, you know, you just never know what sort of thing is is going to be the thing that, that God, I don't know. This sounds stupid. I, it's hard to root against them. That's, that's all I got to say. The A's are the second greatest story to the Orioles. Absolutely. And possibly to non-Baltimore biased people, the A's are even more fascinating than the Orioles. I I will happily and wholeheartedly root for them up until the point that the Orioles have to steamroll right through them, too. Yep. Absolutely. So the the A's is where our hearts lie. But, Andrew, how about where our heads lie? Um, Well, you know, I, I keep saying the same thing, but... It's really the most important thing is you can flip a freaking coin for all of these teams, then that's going to be just as predictive as me breaking it down and telling you who's the best and who's the worst yeah. and blah, 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 blah. That said, you know, I really, really like where Detroit is set up. 
Uh, Justin Verlander, best pitcher in the American yeah, League. Yeah, he's going to go twice in a five-game series, yeah. including the first two games at home for the Tigers over the wow. Athletics. That's really tough for for the A's. And uh, then, you know, Doug Fister and Annabelle Sanchez is a pretty good 2-3. Um, Plus Max Scherzer is in there, and he's like – or is he hurt? I don't know. Uh, he had some sort of ankle problem, I think, but I I think he's still going to go. I'm not sure. Um, and then, you know, they have some defensive issues maybe in the infield, but they still have Austin Jackson, who's really good in center field. They still have premier – hitters in the middle of that lineup yeah you don't want to be hitting having miguel cabrera and prince fielder be the guys you've got to face max scherzer had 231 strikeouts and 187 two-thirds innings yeah what is that that's another (laughs) crazy one man max scherzer yeah, so they're pretty good. They're pretty um, well looking stacked for a five game, even against a team to win the World Series. It would be them. Um, although obviously, yeah, the Orioles are gonna win. So, Andrew, my extremely gut calculation put the Tigers over the Nats in the World Series. There you go. I just feel like whether it's the Tigers or the Athletics, if the Orioles make it that far, I, I don't think they would be the favorites in a seven gamer against either of those teams. Well, I don't think the Orioles are going to be favorites in any series. No, but I mean, really not against the Tigers and yeah. somewhat less against the Athletics. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough to to stay hot for, you know, the Orioles were really hot in September, and it's really hot to stay hot for that whole month and then continue to stay hot for a whole nother month. Yeah, at least they don't have to take the day off before, or they do take one day off, but no more than one day between any series for the first little while. Yeah. Unless, of course, they swept a five-game series in three games and then they were chilling for a while, which would be okay. But, but look, I mean, as nuts as it is to say, the Chris Tillman, Miguel Gonzalez, Wei Yin Chen, Jason Hamill rotation is easily good enough to win the World Series. That is waiting to be unleashed on the Yankees in a five-game series. And I I tell you what, I'm really, really happy that if, if the Orioles beat the Rangers, it's it's the Yankees up there. That's next. who you want to beat, man. That is exactly... I want to go through those guys. It feels I, right. I want to exercise some demons. Andrew, cause I, if you think about it, like what was great about the... 97 ALDS against the Mariners, looking back on it, is how many Hall of Famers or should-be Hall of Famers were in that series? It's amazing. And if you're beating a team like the Yankees, you're smoking through some future Hall of Famers. Plus, you know... That's the stuff of which legends are made. Like the 2001 World Series with the Diamondbacks and the Yankees is another Hall of fa- future Hall of Famer-laden game. It's the old saying, to be the best, you got to beat the best. Got to beat the best. I do not, obviously I don't have a choice, but I don't want the Orioles to potentially win the World Series without having beaten the Yankees. Because that's the team that I want them to beat. I want to stand victorious over their smoking corpses. Well, if the Orioles beat the Rangers, there's no doubt they will play the Yankees. So, so to speak. It's, it's meant to be. If they win. Which... 
Fingers crossed. That's, We're rooting for him. Like you said, about 55-45, and they're the 45. But uh, when you're when you're at the poker table and you're getting short stacked, 55-45 sounds pretty good to go all in. And right now the Orioles are all in. So let's hope the hope the turn in the river are kind. Hit the flush draw or whatever for any of our gamblers out there if we have any listening. Andrew, I feel like you're not a gambler. Uh, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I picked the wrong analogy there for, for my co-host. I, I mean, I, I savvy. I savvy. So that is about all we have for our wild card game preview Let's edition of Cameron Cast. Until, until the game starts, I will just be bouncing around and unable to function normally as a human being. So let's let's get it on. Let's bring it. Let's do it. The first time since I was 13, there was an Orioles game in October that meant something, and that's pretty cool. Mark? Yep. I'm going to see you on the other side, my friend. Yeah, so if the Orioles beat the Rangers, Andrew and I will be back with a podcast on Sunday to break down the ALDS. Uh, if if the worst case happens and we need to have a postmortem podcast, that will be at a yet-to-be-determined date because we don't want to come on and just cry about the end of the season. We would like to take some time to digest everything and have a bit more rational uh, dissection of all the things that got us to this point. So look for us on Sunday, hopefully. Uh, if not, we will see you sometime during the off season or perhaps the tail end of the playoffs. So for tonight, I am Mark Brown. I am joined, as always, by Andrew Gibson. We are bringing you the playoff edition of Camden Cast. This is Birdland, and we are out.